welcome to Tech Vets, the podcast, a show dedicated to exploring the world of tech and cyber security through the eyes of industry leaders and X-Forces personnel. In this show, we're talking to Dan Brown, founder and CEO of the Positive Transformation Group with Tech Vets Chief Executive, James Murphy. Dan, James, welcome to the Tech Vets podcast. Can I start by asking you, James, how, how do you work with Dan? Introduce Dan to me. Well, this is the first time I suppose we properly, you know, had a had a session together. But you know, Dan is the CEO and founder of Positive Transformation Group, um, which is a fantastic initiative, um, with three sort of core pillars to it, and one of which is the Positive Transformation Initiative. Um, and and as tech vets, you know, I sit on the meetings and we're working with a number of people. So through that, you know, Dan and I have become acquainted. We both attend all the same sort of events as well. I think the, the most recent one was the uh, SASIG Skills Festival. Between the two of us, you know, as well as there are many others out there, and Dan and I are, are both working towards the greater good for getting people into digital skills, digital employment, uh, and improving the lives of people generally through positive transformation. I suppose TechFest does that almost you know, as, a, as a byproduct of what we do for veterans. Dan, is that a fair way to introduce you? Or was he overaging it? Was he, or was he, um, or was he being unkind? Do you think? So no, that was a, that was a very fair intro. So uh, thank you for that. I'm glad you didn't set the bar too high so that I could come in and underachieve drastically. So, uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> thank you for that. That's fantastic. Really appreciate the opportunity. Talk to you. Well, Dan, you, you've never really suffered from what you might call career poverty, you know, and it's interesting that you're kind of in, in the area of digital poverty now. But just can you give me a little bit of background? What, you've been in tech for more than 20 years. How, what's your career path been yourself? Yeah, I mean, I, in fact, I mean, digital poverty uh, and education poverty and all types of poverty pretty much were, were a big part of my life. As I've, I mean, I've spoken spoken about it quite a lot before. You know, when I was 15, I was uh, ended up homeless. And so I had some real experiences of, you know, living out on my own, living in a car, um, you know, n- nothing at all. And because of that, I didn't really finish uh, my education. So um, I needed to, to create my own uh, opportunities, my own education, really. And why this, why the digital poverty piece is so uh, important to me is more because of that than it is because I was working in technology. You know, I look at, you know, if, just to sort of summarise my career in tech, I, um, I had some people very early on give me uh, an opportunity to, to get on a different path. Um, and that was working in a small uh, software company in Basildon uh, called Quintech International. Um, I spent the first three months of that job thinking the technology we were selling was an error. And just kept pressing cancel a lot, hoping it would go away. Um, and then somebody told me that was actually the, the software that we were selling. Um, so that was uh, that was an interesting start to my tech career. Um, uh, it did get better. It, it did get better. I um, I was working with a wonderful guy called Tom Lee, <clears throat> who was uh, he was quite a yeah he was a, a uh, harsh but fair let's say entrepreneur. Um, he did very very well, and he gave me an opportunity to to work in in the tech industry, uh, in the document management arena, working with law firms. <clears throat> so that really facilitated my ability to move forward, and he he helped me do that, um, and and a number of other people along the way. So I I ended up in document management, knowledge management, working with law firms. 
Um, and then gradually I sort of moved into wanting to be much more involved in things that I could do on my own. I think there was a bit of an entrepreneurial flair. So I, I went out helping other companies with sales and marketing and um, generally became a, a sort of a sweat equity investor in a number of different companies. Um, and that led me into uh, running events, all sorts of different things, running a big events company, um, and then eventually um, decided that I wanted to take that network and, <clears throat> and do other things with it, but which was positive transformation. Uh, but just to finish off, the, um, the digital poverty piece, which James refers to, um, that's very much born out of my own passion for knowing that, you know, without connectivity, you know, I would have no education, really. Um, and also knowing that the people who need the most help in this country are the people who aren't connected and all the things they need are on a connected ecosystem. So they can't access them anyway. So that's that's why it's so important to me. James, I'll just chuck it back to you for a sec. The, the, this idea of digital poverty must be something you come across a lot when you're talking to veterans who are looking for a job. And, and perhaps one of the things that crosses your mind is they, they haven't got the skills. Is, is, that, uh, is, that, is it fair to characterise that as digital poverty? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, you know, Tech Vets, Tech Vets are a programme within uh, RFEA, the Forces Employment Charity, and, and the RFEA have been doing some fantastic work with, with, you know, thousands of veterans. But there's a lot of those veterans that suffer. You know, they, they don't have access to devices. They may not have the money to. They may not have access to Internet. They may not have the education that's required, you know, the, the adequate sort of reading and writing, some of them, you know, learning difficulties, mental health issues, etc. And there's a lot of people for, for many different reasons. Um, some of those that I just outlined, they haven't been able to get on that ladder of digital skills. And the problem is every day that you're not using digital skills, you're going five, six days behind the, the people that have. You know, it's a multiplying factor of, of quite a negative portion. So I, I think that what we're seeing here is those people that don't have access to digital skills now are being left behind far greater than, than, than we've seen before especially with the last year where everyone has become exponentially more digital because of the pandemic. So there are a lot of people from the military community who, even though they're leaving the military now, still don't have the necessary digital skills. They have access to devices and internet, but they don't have the skills. So that's the other end of the balance, um, the, the scale that we're dealing with uh, with the veteran community. Dan, do you, do you recognise this picture of somebody who lacks digital skills, somebody who is digitally poor, I mean, it doesn't have to be a veteran, of course, but is, is this the kind of person you, you are trying to reach? Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, we're, you know, we're very aligned. I think it means many different things to, to many different people. But, but yeah, I, I, we completely agree. There's, there is a big problem with people that just have no access at all. Uh, so no device, no connectivity. Then you've got the issue, even when you can provide devices and connectivity, you know, you, if you've been, let's say, for example, you were in prison for five years um, if you if you think about yourself and how far technology has advanced in five years even just the devices that we have and think about if you were given an iphone of today um, without any knowledge of how that works what to do with it the, the complexity that you know your inability to use that so i think you know digital skills is a huge problem um, not just in the way i think traditionally people might think about oh well you know, access to online training courses, but right to the core of, you know, if, if you've been out of society in, in any way, you know, for, for any amount of time, you, you will not even understand 
how to use a device. So we're, we're talking real yeah. fundamental problems here. I've literally just been, I mean, I was saying to Dan a minute ago before we started uh, started the, the recording that um, I've been I've been going through the digital training curriculum stuff today. I sent to Meredith as well. And, you know, we're, we're chatting through this a lot with many people because sometimes I have to be reined in, you know, to stop that. Oh, yeah. But what about these skills? What about these skills? And think, look, what about the baseline concepts? What is the Internet? You know, what is a smart device? What do we mean by operating system? What's the difference between software and hardware and firmware when people hear these these terminology um, being used? And for some, it's never been a part of their normal conversation. You know, whereas with me, every single day, I'm talking to people about all sorts of different technical concepts. You know, it's, it's a totally different world. So as Dan said, it's about scaling it right the way back and thinking about that poor individual who just has never had the opportunity to even access it. It's not been a part of their life. So, so it's a big problem. And I think, you know, one thing that underpins all of this as well is that it's a huge benefit, not just to the individual, but to the UK society in general. You know, the UK's economy will be infinitely better off if we've got more people with better digital skills. Um, you know, especially post-Brexit, we want to have a very, um, you know, very competitive employment market and talent pool um, to make sure that we are, we are doing what we need to do uh, as, an, as a national economy. I think if you don't mind me jumping, I think you raised a really great point. And this, when um, we was thinking about whether we could contribute in any meaningful way to to helping digital poverty, the for, from my point of view, I was looking at it from the and saying, well, you know, we need to. I believe we need to stop thinking of people as being poor. You know, the, the people are sort of, sorry, yeah. people being stupid, right? People are poor, not stupid, in many yeah. in many cases. And the problem is there is a lot of money available to fix this problem if it could be looked at in a joined up way. And I'll give you, I'll give you a very quick example. So if you think about things like, um, you know, training and development funding, apprenticeship levy funding, or there's a, the billions of pounds that are un, underutilized or not utilized at all in this country. And the difficulty is that you've got, they're all accessible by, by businesses. So business can access like apprenticeship levy money. We can use it for training and development and we can create a mechanism to train people, but also create a fund that buys devices and connectivity. The challenge is that the, the mindset of organizations generally is that, you know, it's charity, you know, we don't really want to take it on. If we buy into this, it's going to be going off. Where does it end? You know, if I'm a big connectivity provider, you know, this is too big. And really what, what I've been really trying to advocate when I was talking on a podcast about this recently is we need to look at this a different way. If you are a large multinational um, that has a um, any kind of aspirations for growth, what you're looking at, even in the UK, is a 20% market segment. That's 20% of the population that are currently not connected. So that is 20% that could be new customers. That's 20% that could be a new workforce. Yeah. So that's, that's a massive, massive impact. And where else are you going to get the growth from? So stop thinking about it as charity. Start thinking about it as an actual business commercial decision. The model works, Dan, as well. I mean, because if you look at Microsoft and AWS for, for, as two perfect examples, there's a reason why most of their training is now available free, because it increases the take up, the usage and the efficient and effective use of their tools, therefore improving their brand, improving the, 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 the customer reach, um, etc. So it, it makes good business sense 
to be doing this across the board as well as economic sense all round. So, so Dan, does is that is that what Positive Transformation Group does? Is it is it puts those two things together? Is, it, is that your kind of principal business activity? So, what what we do is that like the whole concept of Positive Transformation was was about creating a network of connections to the right people, resources, and funding for other people's projects. So the whole premise was about, I was working with charities, was looking, uh, doing a number of different projects and realized that there's no collaboration. It's really hard to widen impact because of the fact that charity as such is, is a bit broken. And it, it distinctly lacks those three things, connections, resources, and funding. So the concept of positive transformation was to provide those three things to other people's projects. And we do that in three ways. So we have a collaboration for lot, anyone who wants to engage, who might have uh, resources or ideas about how to improve society. We set up a, a big collaboration called the Positive Transformation Initiative. Um, and that's been very successful in starting to generate programs that look at things like digital poverty. Um, the second part is called um, the Opportunity Academy. And that, what that does is that accesses huge amounts of government funding it shows us how to use it more effectively, but also instead of creating lots of profit for us, it shows how we can put that money back into helping projects in society like digital poverty. And then the third bit is about creating businesses that are um, commercially sustainable and charitable in what they do. So we actually will set up businesses with people, uh, we'll generate revenue, and then we'll make sure uh, percentages of that revenue are actually put back in to supporting projects that positively transform society. So just looking at the second leg of that three-legged stool, um, the Opportunity Academy, how does that specifically help veterans, people who are leaving the services now? Well, they, this, this is a, a huge, like a huge area. I'm not surprised by what we found here, but I think we need to shine more of a light on it. And that's what I'm trying to do with positive transformation. If you're a veteran and you're, you're, you, know, you, you are wanting to find routes into employment or you need to upskill, there are two massive barriers to that. One is recruitment and the actual whole industry around recruitment, which is, as far as I can work out, and I make no apologies for this statement, it's primarily there to service itself um, and does very little for anybody else outside. And then you have this whole other ecosystem, which is fully funded training, which isn't making it to the people that need it in the main. So what we're doing is we're, we're opening those two things up so looking at how do, we, how do we help people access employers and how do we help people access this huge amount of fully funded training that they can, they can get onto for free and then put those together to help create employment. James, are these issues you come across? I mean, do you, do you find companies that simply don't know that this, this cash is available? To be fair, you know, if, we're, if we're talking specifically about the apprenticeship levy, I think one of the biggest issues with that probably one of the best things that the government have done, actually, in, in my opinion. But it's underused because the perception of it is poor, first and foremost. Um, and companies just, you know, as far as I see, companies don't know how, how to make the most of it. And they don't realise that quite often it's not for the 18 to 24-year-old. It's for anyone at any level, um, you know, and you can bring people into more senior roles, often apprenticeship, um, which, which, you know, if you're, if you're talking about a career changer, you could give them, 
um, you know, far, a far better onboarding, uh, upskilling and move into that new career um, at a more senior level. And I think that's one of the issues that we find with veterans. Understandably, you know, they, they are an unknown entity to some organisations. But if you've served for anything sort of 12 years and beyond, the chances that you're coming out as a seasoned professional with a family to support means that you don't necessarily want the £18,000 a year that's generally on offer with the apprenticeships. Okay, so, I mean, it has its place then in what you're doing, but it's it's not uh, absolutely core to where TechFets works. Yeah, I mean, look, I I did a, um, over the last couple of days, I've been canvassing our online community to see what their thoughts are. And generally speaking, I mean, almost entirely every single person that responded said that it was a good thing. They, They liked the idea of the apprenticeship scheme. Um, it's really, really cool. It works well if it's used properly. And there are examples where it has worked very well. People are being brought on with actually some better salaries than what entry-level roles are um, in, in some cases. So it can work as long as the employer uses it to the max. But the, the real sticking point, at the same time that everyone's saying it's really good, what is their perception of it? Salaries are too low. And that is that was almost about 95% of respondents. I think one of the, th- the themes that's emerging from this, which I find really interesting, is both you and, and Dan, are you seem to be more interested in the people than, than in the tech. You know, it's, it's the people side of it that's, that's particularly kind of gets you going. Um, and, and just on that, Daniel, I mean, you, you mentioned creating companies that kind of access all the things that positive transformation can do for them. Just one thing to clear up. First of all, when you say creating, do you mean starting companies or do you mean changing company mindsets so that they are more in tune with what's on offer? Uh, it's, it's sort of th- uh, three things, really. It's it's starting companies um, where we're, we're working to create new businesses um, in certain areas. The other part of this is actually, like you say, working with large organisations who who want to understand how they can do this and wade through the complexity of things like the apprenticeship levy, which we can help them with. So it's a mindset change. But the most effective part uh, part of this is actually working with organisations that are already going as such, so not, not base level startups, and starting to form very powerful collaborations. So actually forming collaborative businesses by bringing certain organisations together and then contractually forming a new business uh, to help focus on more positive outcomes. And you see, you've hardly mentioned the word tech and all of that. I mean, this is about businesses. It seems like tech is a sort of the way in. No, so okay, so I would. I you're, you're right. I mean, I'm I'm very human centric. I love AI, but I, I often wonder why we're not more focused on actual intelligence rather than everything having to be artificial intelligence all the time. But I'll give you I'll give you a good example. So I I love LinkedIn. Right? I'm a big believer in it. I, I think it's a wonderful tool. But I think going forward, what we need is to think more about what what the capabilities that we could deliver to people, actual tangible capabilities by having a, a technology-based network. So how do we implement technology that actually supports and develops the human as opposed to it just being technology for technology's sake? So I'm very lucky. I have a, a biz, an ex, uh, <coughs> well, say ex-friend. He's still a friend. Um, an ex-business. <laughs> Sorry, Barry. Barry, if you're listening to this, uh, we're still friends, honestly. Um, a, uh, a business partner who's very, very smart guy who um, was very, very successful uh, as, a, as a technology entrepreneur and still is. He's been building this amazing platform. It's all machine learning and AI driven. But 
what it's going to enable us to do, and we're in pilots with this at the moment, is, is do exactly this, which is all of the training, all of these things that need to be delivered to people is through the creation of, or like a, if you like, a LinkedIn-style network, but ultimately providing people with technology which enables them to actually really access funding, connections and resources to help them create opportunities. And we can only do that globally if we use a technology incredibly well to systematize the whole platform. So I'm very focused on people and what people want and the fact that people matter and we need to help people. But the only way to do that globally and effectively is to use really powerful but simple technology. It is a good moment to bring up Dream Bigger, the Dream Bigger project and, and, and ask you to explain what is, what is that and, and who gets involved with that. Any moment is a good moment to bring up Dreaming Bigger, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, so Dream, Dream Bigger is a it's it's a it's a program, but a but a but a mindset. So if, everything about positive transformation is just about a mindset of, you know, think bigger, dream bigger, and just 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 do do more. Um, you know, if for you personally or or for everybody else. And I, I looked a lot at um, what I used to do, which was putting people together. Um, and, and I'm a huge believer in human connection. I just, you know, this whole environment we're in, digital, it's fantastic. And it's, it's made a lot of positive changes, but you still need people to come together. So Dream Bigger, we've, we've been running digital events, which anybody is very welcome to get involved in. We're, we're bringing in people who can offer a very different perspective on opportunities and a very complex environments where a very positive mindset was needed. So a good example was the guys, if you know the, the uh, documentary or the, the program on Netflix, Narcos. Um, so they wrote that about Javier Pena and Steve Murphy. So we had Steve Murphy on uh, talking about, you know, the, the environment that he had to work in to actually bring down Pablo Escobar. Um, we recently had Harriet Green, um, who is the ex-chair and CEO of IBM in Asia Pacific. Um, so Ken Alyssa, our chairman, is going to do. So it's all about bringing those people into an environment where we can openly ask questions and learn um, how to deal with complex environments and how to think bigger. Um, and now that we're starting to come out of um, lockdown, we're very fortunate to have some um, very, very supportive partners that have acquired uh, one particular amazing property in London, um, which we will be able to run some really great events at um, going forward. So it's, it's really about, yes, yes, is, you know, people can come and get involved, they can contact us. And it's about connection and opportunity and helping people to think and dream a bit bigger. But dream bigger doesn't mean that Dan hands over that property to James <laughs> at Tech Vets to reside in, um, in between events. I was hoping that I was hoping the person I've been working with was going to hand it over to me to reside. <laughs> in. But unfortunately, my my dreams were squashed as well. <laughs> Um, it, it, it seems a lot of this is about personal confidence, and James. That, I mean, in in the world of tech vets, that must be something you come you know, a kind of challenge for you is dealing with the confidence or lack of confidence of, of people planning to leave the services, find jobs in in tech. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, primarily because they are very good at what they do, and then all of a sudden, it's something totally unknown to them. Um, so their confidence drops because you know you just don't know what you don't know, and 
that you know they're they're approaching a whole different way of life, a different cultural um, view on on work, um, you know, different terminology for roles and and experiences and skills. Um, so people find it very challenging, and sometimes confidence is an issue, especially things like applying for jobs. You know, and, and Dan mentioned the the recruitment issue. Um, you know, it, it's it's pretty it's it's pretty it's a pretty exceptional issue. Um, and when you've got you know young guys and girls, or, you know, I say young any guys and girls coming out of the military, looking at a job description and thinking, crikey, you know that's asking the world for a junior level role at, at sort of 25, 30k. Um, you know, it's it really knocks them back a, a step. And sometimes it's about building in that confidence to get them just to apply for these roles, because once they get to interview, they're, they're absolutely golden. They've just got to get there. They've just got to have that initial oomph behind them to, to get them to take that first step themselves. Yeah. Uh, Dan, give me an example of somebody who's uh, who's kind of attended Dreaming Bigger talks and, 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 and has gone away kind of imbued with confidence, because that seems to me to be one of the results of it. Yeah, I mean, there, there there are a lot. I mean, I, I there are people that I'm working with personally as well. I don't <clears throat> don't want to sort of throw out throw out names, but who 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 have just you get a huge amount from it. I think it's the the ability to to talk to people who potentially you know you you just wouldn't you you I suppose not idolize that would be the wrong word, but people who generally seem somewhat out of reach. Um, and the ability to talk about them and understand actually we all sort of have a very similar journey and a similar path and the challenges that we go through, you know, are, are, are similar. Um, and there's been some been a really, really you know, positive reaction um, to that. And it's also that ability to actually engage rather than just sort of being spoken at by somebody in power for, you know, 40 minutes. Um, actually just being able to really talk to people and like human beings and and you know engage uh is is, is really really important as, as well you know i would take from that 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 the power of being inspirational is something that is um sometimes a rare commodity but but very very useful i think when you get these individuals who can really you know inspire that audience to to you know as you say dream bigger but sometimes it's just the small things it's just inspiring them to take that next step on on their own and be confident doing it I think at the at the other side of the coin, you know, talking about getting people that you can talk to, that you can ask questions to directly, that's something that we've seen as a huge positive. Having someone who is a veteran who's already made that journey into cyber or tech, who can talk about their route, you know, outline all those obstacles and the the pain points and the and the lows, and really emphasise those lows, but then provide those. That, that, that bit of uh, advice or inspiration as to how they got past those lows, how they got through those barriers. Um, sometimes that can be, that can make all the difference for people wanting to, to take that next step. We're going to just on that, we're going to have some really, I think very relevant people come in. So one of the, one of the people I work with quite closely is currently uh, with the DEA um, and he's got uh, a huge, one, an amazing contact book in and around um, the military you know, and the services in the U S coupled with an organization we work with here who are very connected in around the security security services space. So over the coming uh, months, we're going to be introducing some people that have been um, you know, very, very uh, actively engaged in, in the military military service and the, the um, secret services to sort of talk through sort of who they are, some of their experiences as well. So hopefully that will be quite relevant to the tech vets audience 
That sounds superb. Um, Dan, one thing you t- you touched on early on was uh, you had a cha- you had challenging early years, and and you we're talking about you know positive transformation. We're talking about the importance of confidence. Are there points in your life where it's failed you, where that you know that your ability to be articulate as you clearly are and and you know explain yourself? Have you how have you got through that that sort of a time, or have you always been? We've always been this good. <laughs> no. When I was 20, <clears throat> I made a decision that I was going to have to operate on a fairly long-term plan. So I couldn't do anything about the first 20 years of my life. That's where it was. And by this point, I was in some fairly hot water with some pretty dangerous people. And I was struggling to know what was going to happen. I'm, you know, For various, I've you know, spoken about this quite a bit. I managed to um, find my way out, but that was... You know, there was no plan there. That was just I, I, the concept of falling forward um, was was really the only strategy there. Um, but also at the same time decided that, you know, in real terms, I was going to spend the next 20 years just getting the doing the best I can. So getting as much experience as I can, trying to get myself out of this situation, just just whatever I can. And that was difficult because I'm, I had no experience, no money, uh, nothing at all. But I did learn a lot. And so I failed uh, many, many, many times. And in hindsight, it's all well and good to look back at it and say, yes, well, you know, it's great. I move forward. But it it was horrific. And anyone who's in a situation who is really feeling the pressure of failure um, will know that it's, it's really hard. And you're faced with picking up a stick with shit on both ends, excuse me, some of the times you know, where you've got a choice and the consequences that you're looking at are just look negative on both sides. Um, so it is hard. It's, but I've, the one thing I've learned is it's actually not failure that's the problem. It's quitting. That's, that's the problem. So you can fail as many times as you like. You just got to keep going. Um, and, and it will get better. Like the richest people in the world have problems. They just have better problems. My advice to myself is always I don't wish for life to be easier I wish that I'm better and I wish that I'm better not so I don't have any problems just so I've got better problems um and that that was you know that carried it carried me through uh till I got to 38 and I I saw that window of like 20 years closing and I realized I was actually a bit of a mess um you know I had some successes and you know to to an outside audience um, you know, I was presenting a very different image. Um, but for me personally, you know, I was dealing with a lot that I hadn't dealt with. Um, and so for the last, so from 38 until uh, 42, I was still dealing with a basically a 30-year alcohol drug problem as well, um, which I kept very, very much uh, covered up and out of the way, but that had its... And it wasn't until, you know, I, I, I invested five years from 38 to 42, or 42, 43, like absolutely like tearing myself apart. I think anyone who's in the military, I mean, I've never been in the military, uh, just a caveat, <clears throat> but I drew, I drew so much inspiration from reading everything I possibly could about the special forces, the Navy SEALs, and, and tortured myself basically until I'd cracked my own character right back down to nothing and then rebuilt myself up again. Um, and I managed to get rid of uh, all the anxiety, depression, drug problems. I stopped smoking. I've lost seven stone. Uh, I stopped taking drugs. And I managed to 
kick all of that, like basically a 30-year problem, uh, in five years. Um, and it's the, only the last two years um, that I've actually really been able to implement like kind of Dan Brown version two, um, which is the one who set up positive transformation because he realised he was a mess and thought, well, if I can do it, anyone can do it. And I'd rather be an inspiration to myself and an example to others than a tumour on the universe. Wow, that's a, a, an incredible story. Um, thank, thank you for that. Um, you just mentioned that there was a strategy at the heart of that. I, I suppose part of that strategy did not include where you are now which is this sort of idea that every situation presents a positive opportunity so it was a strategy that had kind of learning built into it is that one of would that be would that constitute advice to anybody facing their early 20s from you right now yeah do you, do you know I, I i love um a, a big part of this theme is about if i could work with my younger self trying to learn how i could help younger people sort of not not make their own mistakes but sort of try and circumvent some of the 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 landmines along the way and again this goes back to digital poverty why i believe this is so important education choice and willpower i believe are the three most most powerful tools and they're all things that you you they're all you've already got them um you know the ability to to educate like i i had to read a lot and i hate reading like I just audio books for me were such a godsend, which is why, why now I, I just just for that, like if we can give people connectivity just so they can educate themselves in a way that they feel comfortable with. So, you know, that that's those three things like whatever you want to do, education, like just read I don't, maths and English, whatever, you know, like work out what's relevant to you and and then absorb as much as you possibly can so that you can make informed choices. And then you need to work out a mindset that gives you the willpower to implement them. When life's throwing bricks at you, you know, how, what's, what's your why? Like you, you need to develop a really strong, like why, why am I doing it? You know, why am I educating myself? You know, why am I putting myself through all this crap? Um, and, and how am I going to keep going? Um, and I, you know, my, my why was that, you know, I want to be an inspiration to myself and I don't want to feel ashamed to die. You know, I want to be like someone who who I could look up to. And if if I had a you know, younger self, they'd be, you know, proud of the disaster I was to the person I became. You know, one point that I, I would add there as well, Dan, is, you know, I think one thing that's really difficult when you're young is knowing who you are, knowing what you're about, you know, knowing knowing what you want in life. You know, clearly that's, you need to live life a bit before you understand that. But I think, Having, having the mindset of trying to strip back yourself to really know what you want out of a situation is probably one of the key, key themes to success that I've seen people that have been particularly successful. They've been, they've been able to say no to the peer pressure, no to, no to um, fanciful ideas and understand exactly what they are, not because of the money, not because of you know, a title, um, but because it's something that's, that's true to what they want to do, what they want to be. Um, and I think that's really important. I had a conversation with someone on LinkedIn only only this morning about that. Um, and I, I think that's really important. I think for veterans as well, when they're leaving the military, you you are at that junction where you have options. You can educate yourself in whatever route you want to take. You can take whatever route pretty much that you that, that's that's available to you within reason. You just have to have to have the motivation, uh, and I suppose with that the confidence to go for it. Um, and, I, I, and it's really important. I think those three things, actually, Dan, as you as you mentioned, I think that's 
you know, I've never looked at it um, with uh, those three sort of categories before, but I would argue they're they're very very important. I'd like, I mean, just just on sorry, Joe, just on that point, I think it's so important like to know who you're not first, and I think again, yeah. I'm caveating with I haven't been in the military. But, you know, I spent a long time like putting myself into incredibly um, precarious, dangerous situations, some of my own making, some not Um, in some sort of I think it was some sort of pursuit to try and understand who I'm not, frankly. Um, And the funny thing is, with hindsight, the, the more you can work out who don't worry about working out who you are and purpose and all this kind of stuff. Just if you can, if you can really get to grips with all the things that you're not, like and the things you you just don't want to be, you know, the, the bit that's left is the thing that you need to go and pursue. Um, yeah, and I found that to be quite um, cathartic, actually getting to understand that. James, you must deal with some people who feel pretty isolated. You know, as they're coming out of the military, is I mean, do you commend what Dan is saying? Could you commend what Dan is saying to them as a kind of a pathway to make them? I suppose make them feel better about themselves. Uh, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, one thing that we we work really hard on, um, you know, not not just in tech vets across RFEA, is is getting those service leavers and veterans to understand, you know, the, the value that they bring to themselves, to their families, to the businesses that they they want to work for, you know, to the people around them. Um, there are there are huge strengths within within generally within the military. Um, community with the people within the military you know they are if you look at all the great things that happen um you know within society these wonderful um initiatives that have sprung up generally there is a, a a veteran involved um you know a lot of the time uh, there's a lot of good feeling about giving back to people and i think one thing that dan's done is, is really embodied that um you know generally people even will smith was saying you know that it's not about the title it's not about the job but you'll get a huge benefit from just being of value to people. Uh, and I think that's, that's really important. I think if we can get that across to the service leavers, then that's half the battle already won. But then it's understanding, you know, it, it's them then understanding what opportunities are available to them and what they need to do in order to get there. And I think where there's so many unknowns to them, um, giving them a little bit of a helping hand there is, is something that's quite important for us. Dan, with veterans in mind, have you got a, a last word of advice you would you would put forward to anybody who's who's you know, thinking about a career in tech, which is your your area? There are some really good channels available, which at no cost. There's no uh, there's no hidden sales pitch in this. Just that we've got some really great channels to help people access either information, training, or connections to to actually help people get into get get started. Um, on a journey um, out of the military. Um, We've also just recently um, finished a prototype project, um, which will probably become quite unpopular to recruitment um, because we'll be able to provide fully funded um, recruitment for organisations. So we can now, uh, we've just piloted with, um, uh, with with, with with the NHS. We're actually now able to provide mass recruitment funded to organizations so that's going to be a huge benefit so and the reason i mention that is i'm absolutely committed to changing the mindset of the way people act when they are recruiting people so my attitude here is i wanted to work to create a fully funded recruitment model so that we could go to large organizations and say to them 
we can show you how to save millions of pounds on recruitment, but we're only going to do that if you sign our new charter. And our new charter says, this is how we behave. And in that behavioural change, we recruit this many veterans. We recruit this many people from a neurodiverse background. We don't do this. We do do that. And we just behave more appropriately in the creation of opportunity for people. So if you want us to save you millions of pounds, you need to sign our charter. If you sign our charter, we could be more helpful to a lot more people in creating opportunities. So practically, my advice would be, you know, look, let's see how we can set something up with tech vets um, to actually enable us to, to manage um, a process to help people into work. So that's that would, as that would be our action, I think, to take from this. James, happy with that? I think TechVets is built on partnerships and collaboration um, because it's the, the greatest way to build strength uh, across, across the UK, um, regardless of whether that's in technology or otherwise. And I think um, there's so much diverse talent out there. If, if we can work closely with PTG, you know, we're already working um, within the PTI, uh, Positive Transformation Initiative. You know, it makes sense. It makes sense. Thanks, James. And thanks, Dan, too. I think this has really been a, a people's story above all. Uh, no doubt your advice, Dan, will resonate with our listeners. Thanks for joining us. And for our listeners, you can find out more about TechFets and how to become a member by visiting techfets.co or searching for TechFets on LinkedIn. If you're a business owner or work for a company in the tech industry and want to find out how to get more veterans into your team, drop James Murphy a message via LinkedIn. You'll find all the contacts you need in the description for this post. We'll be back next month with another TechFets podcast. Thanks for joining us.